Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all all right. Um, you might not know me. My name's Tiffany. I'm married to Frank at the front here. Um, we've got two kids, and I'm a stay-at-home mum. And me and my husband are involved in the kids' work at this church. So usually on a Sunday, I'll be upstairs talking to a bunch of kids, trying to keep them quiet with sweets. But I didn't bring no sweets with me today for you, so I'm just hoping that you're, you'll still listen to me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as I said, my name's Tiffany, and I've been here at New Community Church for around seven or eight years now after meeting with Jesus and being baptised. Um, my then boyfriend, now husband Frank, uh, met with Jesus himself about a year or so later. And um, after we become Christians, we felt convicted by God we should get married. Luckily enough, we actually liked each other as well, so it always helps. So um, we got up after a normal Sunday service, much like today's, and well, we waited till the end of the talk, we didn't do it during, and then we, we got up and we got married. So our, um, our lives, basically, they couldn't look any more different to how they were eight or so years ago. Everything's changed. I mean, at that time, my life was full of depression and anxiety. I'd drink or take medication or drugs to make myself feel better or I'd buy loads of nice things but I was never really satisfied but um, I was quickly wrecking my life as well with my actions and actually hurting people around me but God broke into all that darkness and all that messiness he didn't just tell me to clean myself up and then he'd love me no, he was the one who helped me. It was his love. And he's now given me that hope and that peace and purpose I couldn't find anywhere else. And that's the reason that I'm actually standing here today, because I've been saved by this kind, loving God. So I, like many of you, didn't grow up in church or around any Christians, really. Um, my home life growing up was spent moving around quite a lot, lived in London and Essex and lots of different areas. I'd lived in 11 houses by the age of 11. Um, yeah, we sometimes moved around because of my dad's work. And it sounds like it's because he had a good job. It won't. It's because we were running away from the police. <laughs> so, that's the reason. And he spent some time in prison when I was growing up as well. My uh, family life could be quite unpredictable, to say the least. My mum essentially brought up four of us kids on her own, and we were moved to this area for our safety. So that's how we ended up here in Sunny Sig Cup. <laughs> Been here ever since. So when I was a Christ uh, when I was a teenager, sorry, my mum actually became a Christian herself. And at the time I didn't follow her in a newfound faith, but I remember what she used to say. She used to talk about the singing at church and she used to always say how peaceful it made her feel. She even went as far once as to say she thought they put something in the air at churches because she just couldn't get this peaceful feeling. She found out they didn't, so, you know, it's all all right. But, um, yeah, and other family members have also commented on the singing at church. They've not always remembered the talk. They've not always remembered what the preacher said, but they always said how the singing made them feel peaceful. And that's what we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at together this morning. We're going to look at what a radical witness it is when churches sing together. And maybe because I didn't grow up in church, when I hear words like witness, what pops into my head is a courtroom witness. And maybe it comes from growing up around criminals. You hear someone's got a witness and you know they've seen the crime. But we're witnesses of Jesus. When we sing about Jesus together, we're communicating how Jesus has radically changed our lives and history forever. If we look at the Bible, we can see God's people have always been doing this, singing together. 
In Psalm 117, it says this, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And again in Psalm 100, verse 1 to 5, it says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And what is it that they're celebrating and singing about? It's God's love towards his people. The fact that his love for us and his faithfulness to us go on and on forever and they never ever end. There is no other love like that that I've known. It's changed my life. He is faithful. And maybe you've never really known faithfulness. Maybe, like me, you've experienced some unfaithfulness in your life. Maybe your dad walked out on you and your family and it's hard for you to imagine a love that is faithful. God isn't like us. He doesn't make the same mistakes that we make. His love is faithful and it's an amazing truth, one worth singing about. And if we look in the New Testament, in Acts 2, it says this, And day by day, attending the temples together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Again, it's showing us God's people getting together and praising God and singing about how wonderful he is together. And when the early church got together and sang, people met Jesus and they actually believed in the gospel. In a book I've been reading, because I read sometimes, it's called Surprised by the Voice of God, and it's worth a little read if you fancy it. And the author picks up on this, and this is what he says about the power of the early churches singing together. It says, they came to worship God together. Of course, it's possible to worship God alone in anywhere, but there's a spiritual dynamic that occurs when the people of God come together corporately to express their unrestrained affection for God. To put it simply, which I always like, we enter into his presence when we sincerely and exuberantly sing him our thanks and praise. God's presence was so manifest during corporate worship that the New Testament Christians risked their lives just to be part of that experience. Wow, I love what it says. And it says in the Bible that God inhabits the praises of his people. And is that our experience here today? There's a lady that I've got to know recently. She wasn't a Christian and her life was being ruled by anxiety. And any of us who know what it's like to suffer from a high level of anxiety will be able to relate to her struggle. Not being able to function properly in day-to-day life, having your mind constantly plagued by worrying thoughts to the point where you, you can't function properly. It's horrible. But she started coming along to church recently and she said to me, that she felt this sense of peace even as she was walking down the alleyway out there, outside our church. And I think that's got to do with the fact that God's presence is powerfully with us when we worship him together. She felt that peace because we sing to the Prince of Peace, to Jesus. And she's now since become a Christian. It's so amazing. She now has a relationship with God who invites her to cast all her anxieties on him because he cares for her and he cares for us too. Our singing together was a witness to her to the gospel, to God's glory and his kindness. Our singing together is a radical witness. But singing together can also damage our witness. 
If we look at Deuteronomy, which is a book in the Old Testament, there's a song God teaches Moses to teach the Israelite people when it's a sad old song. It's one that I wouldn't want on my Spotify playlist. So it was a witness against them. They'd been hypocrites. They were singing with their lips but not with their heart. They were running after other gods and sacrificing to idols. They were singing the songs but not living lives that matched the lyrics. And how often can that be true for us? I, I know it has been in my own life. I think King David knew of this danger himself. It's why in Psalm 103 he sings to himself, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He's saying, speak well of God's greatness and goodness and actually mean it from the depths of your soul. He knew that blessing God with his mouth without his heart and soul would make him a hypocrite. And Jesus mentions the importance of this too in Matthew chapter 15, where he quotes the prophet Isaiah. It says, this people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Because God isn't just after our lip service. He's after our hearts too. Because he loves us. He desires a relationship with each and every one of us. He isn't just pursuing people who will sing to him about his love, but he's inviting people in to actually experience that love. It's why Jesus died, to give us a loving relationship with our Father. And the song that God taught Moses thankfully ends with God declaring his faithfulness to Israel despite their disobedience. Because of the gospel, God is always faithful to us. It says in 1 Timothy 2, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And I'm so grateful that he does. Because recently I had to repent myself of not living out what I was singing on a Sunday, on Monday to Saturday. I'm just going to tell you a little story about what happened to me recently. So a couple of months ago, I bumped into an old family friend in the chemist. And when I saw her, I barely even recognised her. I asked her if she was okay, but... As bad as it sounds, and I've got to be honest, although I cared how she was, I had no intention of swapping numbers with her. She's from a big family that you wouldn't really want to mess about with, and to be honest, I just wanted to get out of there quickly. A couple of weeks later, though, I saw her again, this time in Tesco, and we spoke, and I can see she's not in a very good way at all. But she's asking me how I am, and how my mum and my kids are, and I ask her how she is, and how her kids are, and she tells me that her kids have been taken away and put in care. And I knew, I just felt in that moment a bit of a nudge from the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever had a nudge from the Holy Spirit and not responded. Instead, you tried to nudge him back off you again. <laughs> I didn't offer her my number or tell her about Jesus. The truth was, it would have been risky to do that. But sometimes God calls us to do risky things for the gospel. When I got home, I told my husband Frank about it. I said, I've seen this girl twice now and she's on my mind. Can we just pray for her? So we, we prayed about it and about what to do next. Prayed for her and the kids and family. And a week or two later, my mum calls me up and she told me she'd died. And she committed suicide just five minute walk away from my house. And when my mum called me to tell me what had happened, I couldn't believe it. I felt so devastated for her and her family and after we spoke I noticed something on my fridge and it was a kids craft we made up here in church with the words on that Jesus had read out about himself in the temple and it was from the prophet Isaiah and God used it to speak to me in that moment to remind me of why he came and of my purpose and to keep in step with the Holy Spirit it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me 
For the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. It's why he came. (laughs) It's why I'm saved. And it's now for us to continue. The spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus and he's put that same spirit inside us, these people. He sent us to be hands and feet and bring hope to hurting people around us. And it was a wake-up call for me. He came for the broken-hearted and the oppressed and the depressed and the suicidal and the desperate, for needy people who are risky and costly to love. I know that because I was one of them. I experienced that love myself. But God is forgiving. He's so kind and merciful. And thankfully, the same gospel that empowers me to tell other people about Jesus is the same gospel which promises to forgive me each and every time I don't live it out. It's why we sing about it together. We sing the gospel because it's the hope of the world and the power of God to save us and keep us. It's the good news. (laughs) And it's, what is the gospel? Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you know the gospel or... Maybe today is your first time in a church like this and you want to know this hope you've heard us sing those first two songs about. And the gospel is this. I can't say it any better than the preacher, Matt Chandler. I'm going to nick his words. He is American. He's quite like, you know, he don't mess about, but it's his words. (laughs) Could have read it out. The gospel is this, that there is this infinite, almighty, all-powerful creator God that created all things for his glory. And you and I have belittled that. We've belittled his name. We've belittled his glory. Every one of us at one time or another, or actually currently, believe that our way is better than God's way. We fail to acknowledge and give him glory for the gifts he's given us. We question his rule and his authority, while at the same time doing that with the brain he gave us and holds together and the lungs and the air he gives us to breathe with. This is the great blasphemy of the universe. And God... He's not going to allow the belittlement of his name because he's just right and holy. God then, not being able to spare wrath, sends Jesus Christ in the flesh and he crushes him. And in so doing, pours out his wrath against the children of God onto the Son, killing him. Then God raises him up from the dead. And that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at now at work in all who believe. This is the gospel that you and I have right standing before God. Not by our efforts, not by our work, not by our skill, not by whether we swear or don't swear, drink or don't drink, watch this, don't watch that, do this, don't do that. Justified before God by the cross of Christ alone. Our sin, our bitterness, our anger, we're not going to be able to fix it. All those things that have been following us around, we can't fix it. We don't possess the power of life and death. We can't resurrect anything, but Christ can. (laughs) That's the good news. That's why we don't celebrate us. That's why we continually celebrate him. We boast in the cross and the cross alone. The same power that is at work in raising Christ from the dead is at work in me and in you and in all who believe. This is the gospel. It's the best news I've ever heard. It's what's changed my life forever, like a lot of you sitting here as well. Loved and forgiven by our creator, no matter how many times we mess up. Because of Jesus and what he's done on that cross, defeating death itself, there's hope for us beyond today. And there's hope for us in today as well. And that's got to be worth singing about this morning. And there's still so many people out there who are in desperate need of the gospel. I know I was one of them. 
I relied on alcohol and drugs and money and possessions and relationships to fill that void in my life that was only ever meant for Jesus to fill. And I was left wanting each and every time. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here and you've experienced forgiveness and hope like I have. Or maybe you don't know Jesus today. Maybe you can relate to feeling dissatisfied or anxious. Or maybe you think you aren't good enough to come to God. That is not true. Jesus came for you. He loves you. He died for you. Is that personal? Nothing we have ever done or will ever do can stop his love for us. If you just reach out and receive it, he will meet with you. And the songs we sing call us to know and worship our God for all he's done for us. And they also help us on the mission Jesus has sent us on, to bring this hope to a world who so desperately needs to hear the gospel, this good news. Because when we worship God together, it's not just a family event. The doors are open for anyone to enter. And the world we live in desperately needs us to keep those doors open. Our communities and our neighbours and our unbelieving family members, they need to hear us singing and see us living out our hope in Jesus. Because when we live out the lyrics to the songs that we're singing together on a Sunday, when we sing truth and we live it out, it will be a radical witness to those around us.